these tears would just be tears falling down my face and this hurt would just be hurt with no healing on the way thank you jesus heaven changes everything a goodbye will be goodbye but no i'll see you again and when a life is over that will simply be changes everything well there's a bridge and there's a
Church, would you please rise for our first song? Tremble. 
church. Well, scripture reading this morning is from the book of Psalms. We're in Psalm 103, first 14 verses. A Psalm of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, 
slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. This is the word of the Lord. Please remain standing while we confess together the faith that we have in this marvelous Jesus and the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Let us, uh, let us go to God in prayer. So if you would please bow your heads. Great and gracious Heavenly Father, we give you thanks this morning for your compassion. As was listed there in Psalms, Lord, we know that uh, you are compassionate towards us, even when we don't deserve it. And Lord, sometimes we just look to you and think that there's no way that, that you could love us, but you do. And we don't understand that. But Lord, we thank you for that this morning. Lord, this morning we also ask that you bless our time together, the worship service we're having, our fellowship time. And Lord, we ask that you, you just be with us. And Lord, we ask all of these things in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. amen.
Come on up front for the kids' message. Come on up. And if you have your backpack with you, you can bring that with you for the backpack blessing. If not, that's okay, too. Um, but everyone gets one of these tags for their backpack when they come on up. All right? So come on up. Get a tag. And then when you get one, have a seat. And um, I brought Gus with me today. You probably noticed that. Gus, sit. Gus, sit. Hey. Um, and you know what? I thought Gus should be part of the backpack blessing, too, because Gus goes to school. So he's getting ready to go to school, too. He goes with my wife, Kate, to Lakeview High School two days a week and hangs out in her classroom. And he gets to visit the students and the staff and brighten their day. You know what? And you know what? Gus gets to come with me, too. And we go to Taste and See and deliver food and visit with people. And then we go to Seekers of Serenity Place and talk about Jesus and the Bible Although Gus usually doesn't talk about Jesus in the Bible. But he visits with everybody while we do that. All right. And he loves his job. He loves getting to hang out with people and love on people. And you know what? Wouldn't it be nice if we all had a Gus to go with us everywhere we went? Yeah. To brighten our day and to love on us. Well, you know what? We have someone that goes with us everywhere we go. And he's even better than Gus. And he loves us even better than Gus does. Who do you think that is? Jesus, that's right, Jesus. Jesus is always with us. He goes with us wherever we go. And so you got one of these tags to put on your backpack to remind you that when you go to school, Jesus goes with you. All right, so Jesus goes with you, his love goes with you, and he is with you, getting you through everything you go through throughout the day. And you know, because we've been blessed by Jesus and filled with his love, we get to share it with other people too. Our classmates, our teachers, whether we're in the classroom, on the playground, in the lunchroom, at home, wherever, we can share Jesus' love with other people too. So put this tag on your backpack and remember that Jesus is always with you and he loves you so much. And so receive this blessing prayer that's on the back of the tag. All right, you ready? Here's your blessing. Dear God, please bless this student to get them ready for the new school year. Help them to handle every problem in life with love peace, confidence, focus, determination, positivity, and faith. Show them how much they can accomplish with your guidance and their effort. Thank you. Amen. So remember that, boys and girls. Jesus is always with you. His love goes with you, and you can share it with other people too. Amen. And just stay there. If you are part of any of the education process, doesn't matter what part you are in, we are so thankful for you. Would you stand where you are? Just stand, if you would. I know so often you are just like, I just do because I love to do this and stuff. So let's, let's thank them. And I want to just stay standing. I want to pray a blessing over you. Lord Jesus, thank you again. Um, these brothers and sisters are, um, are part of the process of blessing our kids. Uh, so we pray your hand of blessing to be upon them throughout this new school year. 
give them safety in all that they do, give them blessing as they interact with, uh, well, with other teaching staff, but also with these kids. And ultimately, Lord, we just pray your blessing to be poured out in a mighty way. So thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Kids, you may make your way back. And speaking of teaching and, oh, hey. and an opportunity, what are you here for? Hi, everybody. Who are you? It's weird up here. Isn't that cool? Isn't it kind of cool? The front row. Yeah. Well, um, I get to be the representative today to talk to you about the changes in exploration for the kids in our church. And I want to preface it with I am thrilled and excited to work with these kids all the time. And I hope that as I'm, as I'm sharing this information with all of you, that God will build up that excitement in you too. I've got some notes here. Um, first, I want to help describe the change in case you've missed some of this information. Our Wednesday night exploration for preschool through eighth grade is moving to Sunday mornings in between services. So um, all students who um, are in that age group can come and we'll check in. I believe it's at 10 after. So when like between services would be 10-10, we'd start class. So you'd have that 10-minute buffer to check your kids into your class. And then the class will go for um, the younger grades. It's going to go up until 10-50. Um, and then you will come and check them out, bring them into church. Um, the fifth grade and up might go five minutes later just because we have a little more curriculum to get through. And they are a little more mature in getting to you uh, a little bit faster. But that change is coming. And do you know the date, start date of that? It's Sunday after Labor Day. Sunday after Labor Day is when that change will happen. So we will no longer these have... These prompts are really kind of cool. Oh, good. It's September 10th. How cute is that? Yeah, I know, I know. Go Look figure. at that sound booth just on it. And you just it. thought I was smart. I still think you're smart. Oh, okay. Um, so that's when that is starting. Um, there are opportunities to serve in all of these classrooms. We need people who are willing to be teachers, people who are willing to be a teacher's aide, and just help out in the classrooms. And um, I can speak from my personal experience. Um, when I started coming to church here about five years ago, one of the first things I did to get plugged in was to, I just showed up and said, I'll teach, what grade do you need? And they had a need in fifth and sixth grade at the time. And so Danielle Waka, Carrie Franzen, and I, as a team of three, started teaching that class. And at first, you know, you, you, you have a learning curve, but my goodness, after a while when there's three of you, it's really incredible because um, we can take the pressure off of feeling like we have to constantly be there. If one of us gets sick or our kids get sick, we have a very stressful day, we text each other, can you cover tonight? They're like, yeah, I got you, don't worry. And so the team of three really takes the, that pressure off of feeling like you can't miss a Sunday. Um, it also helps when you feel like you have strengths and you have weaknesses. So in our group, we figured out um, my strength is to teach the lesson, Danielle's strength is to prepare the activity, and Carrie's strength is to build relationships and connect with every kid so that every single one of our kids has a personal connection with someone in our group. And that's when we're all three there, we just drop into those roles. And when one of us is not, we just cover for the other. And I really think it's exciting that the last week we shared this information, we had so many people jump to the opportunity that every single classroom is going to have multiple adults registered. So if you haven't registered yet and you want to get in the opportunity to be a part of one of those classrooms from pre-K all the way up through eight, you can go on, um, you can check in with me and anybody else who's going to help me from our team at the uh, 
it's called the Welcome Center. Yep. It's yep. that booth right outside between the doors here. Between services, you can ask us questions, and you can um, sign up and register to be a part of that opportunity today. You can also go into the Church Center app and register yourself to be a volunteer. You can also start registering your kids for classes. When they're registered, it helps a ton because when you show up to check them in, we plug their name in, we click print. For the young kids, they're their stickers for their names will just pop up and be ready. So it, if you can pre-register, that will help everybody. It'll help it be faster too. Um, I want to make sure that you know if you want to help and be a teacher, the word teacher can be very scary because a lot of times we don't feel qualified to teach the word of God. We're, we're not in pastor's shoes where we feel like we have the training. But one great thing is that when God calls you to it, he will see you through it. You're anointed to do these kinds of things that God calls you to. And he gives you what you need in the moment. Second, the curriculum we have is incredible and easy. Oh, so easy. Literally, everything is laid out for you. Say this. Read that. Here's some, here's some pointers if, you draw, if you're drawing a blank. Here's some guided questions for the kids. Here are five opportunities for crafts. Pick one that fits you. It is very easy as far as like the things that are provided for you. So you just being an open heart to jump up, jump onto this opportunity, it's really all we need and God's going to fill the rest. Yeah. Thank there you. There you go. If you have questions, see me at the booth. Is the music playing? Preach it, sister. We should just say amen and let you go home and right. Oh my goodness, there's just a little passion there, right? But again, one of the things we keep talking about these are opportunities, and we just ask you to pray about it. Please do. You can make the difference in the lives of people. That's what God wants all of us to do. The question is what? What? And if you feel like maybe something with preschool through eighth grade, you know, please, please, please li listen to that calling. All right. So, um, boy, how do you follow that up? I'm just... Oh, thank you. She's, <laughs> she's telling me what to do. I like it. Okay. Um... Welcome. I saw some guests. I met some guests. We are so glad. We call you guests here, not visitors, because we are welcoming you. We just so glad you're here. I uh, would like to get to know you. A couple ways to do it. You can uh, text 1C guest to 94,000. You could stop at Next Steps, which is in the family gathering area. And if you do that, <clears throat> you might even get a free gift, bribe, <coughs> bribery there. Uh, just like to get to know you, be able to answer questions that you might have. What else is going on? Let me just get to this. Um, is there one about the Alpha Project? You take a look. There was supposed to be a slide up there. There we go. Thank you very much. Over the years, I have been wanting to do the Alpha Project in ministry, wherever I've been. And it's just, you know, schedule and all that stuff didn't happen. But we're going to host it here you know, coming up, and we, Tuesday, August 29th, 5.45 with dinner, 6 to 7.30, multi-purpose room, and look at that, no cost, no commitment, just come and join us, walk through the Bible, hear the stories, see what God has to say, um, and if you, if you are sitting here saying, well, I, I, that's good, I can kind of understand what's up there, you have questions, somebody will be at the Welcome Center right outside these doors, uh, might be able to give you some more answers, give you some information, to take with you. Uh, so that's coming soon, so be ready for that. Um, what else? Um, regarding worship today, um, again, if you have a prayer request, we'd love to get those prayer requests. 402-242-5051. Uh, you text it, it comes right in, and we'll include it in our worship today. We'd love for you to do that. 
And at 1C, we have Holy Communion every single week. We believe it's an incredible gift God has given to his church. And here at 1C, we believe it's bread and wine and body and blood for the forgiveness of sins. So if that's your belief, we'd love for you to come and join us and celebrate in this beautiful meal. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Other than that, um, joy baskets will be passed in a minute. And I just want you to know that's one of the ways in which you could say thank you to God for what he's done. Other ways you can do it, right? You can volunteer and serve using your gifts and abilities, right? Please do that. Um, just be faithful in what God has called you to do, and it's a good thing. Uh, that is it. May God bless our time together as we worship our Lord. I see the sunrise in the morning and a million stars at night. I hear the birds that can't stop singing hallelujah. I see his goodness when I fall down and his grace that picks me up. Every day I can't stop singing hallelujah. How can we not see God?
those words, at least for me, ring loud and clear when we think about the Lord's Supper. We're going to see, feel, experience the grace and mercy of God in a tangible way. Yes, bread and wine, but body and blood. Now, in preparation for that, it is good because the scripture encourages us to examine ourselves. And one of the ways to do that is to confess and to pray and to ask for God's mercy in our life. So let's join together and pray this prayer. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your holy name, amen. And again, a reminder, the most important the important, most important thing ever is that because of Jesus, because of his suffering, death, and resurrection, your sins, my sins are forgiven. And as the psalmist told us earlier, God takes it as far as the east is from the west, and he will remember our sins no more. May that good news and may this meal bless you today. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread and after he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. And in the same way also he took the cup after supper. And after he'd given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament of my blood, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. We continue now with the distribution of the Lord's Supper.
may this true body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen you and empower you for life, for ministry, for mission, all for the glory of God. Go in his name and in his love. Amen. Jesus, the, the church is gathered this morning. We are worshiping and partaking of your body and blood. And now there's this moment where we come to you in prayer. We have prayers sent in and printed out. And in the room, there are prayers in the hearts and minds of your people who are gathered this morning. And so as we pray, descend upon us with your spirit and hear us and move us towards you to know that you love us and that when we bring your prayers, our prayers to you, it is pleasing to you. Lord, please be with my grandchildren as they start this new school year in a new city and new schools. Give them your strength. 
And this is a prayer for God's mighty hands to guide the surgeon's hands for Harrison, who is undergoing surgery on Friday to receive his cochlear implant. God is mighty and is doing a great work in you, Harry. For a Christian husband for my daughter and a prayer for my nephews to turn from his lifestyle and find Jesus as his savior. And prayers for Pat that she gets good news from all her tests on her heart. Please be with her during this trying time. These and so many more, Jesus, we, we bring to the throne of mercy, knowing that you've heard us. And as we close this time, the church prays this prayer that you gave to us so long ago. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. you're getting it for I don't even know how many years it was um, somebody would come up and walk in my line on purpose and I was at a really large church so we had seven communion stations so it was like a lot of people coming but Dell is his name and he would walk up the aisle that I was serving and I'd bounce around so I'd be at different places and he would walk up and go like this God, family, and everything else. You get it? This is the story of Genesis. Amen. Sorry, don't, who's a plot? <laughs> I get even, don't worry. Oh my goodness. Paul says it this way, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word and deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And then after that, goes through a list. Talks about, we'll say spouses. It talks about everything else, right? And all the stuff that follows but God first. And when we look at the history in Genesis, when we follow the, the storyline, whenever God's people got that wrong, there was trouble. And now I could say, now just apply it to yourself and amen, but I'm not going to be done yet, so 
No applause yet. I've got much more to say. Um, I, I was going to put this up as a theological premise, like I've been doing every week. I'm just going to tell you what it is. I want you to let it to sink in. There is nothing more important than God's relationship to us and our relationship to him. This is the story of the scriptures. That there is nothing more important than God's relationship to us and our relationship to him. Throughout scripture, this truth is put out there. And God wants us to let it sink in. Remember, the longest distance ever is 18 inches. And people go, what? From the head to the heart, right? So you can hear it up here. You can do the sentence structure, and that's really good. But it starts landing here, and you realize that the relationship thing is like absolutely vital, that this is like the most important thing ever. When we start, it starts hitting here, it starts changing our life. And when it doesn't, we could be just like a whole host of people we've been reading in the book of Genesis. It happens. Well, I'm going to take you on a journey of, uh, well, now we're in Genesis, talking about Joseph. Wow, what a guy, right? I would challenge you to find any dirt on Joseph of the Old Testament. Like any kind of bad thing. He is, I'm going to say, pure as the, like a fallen snow, which I do not like fallen snow, freshly fallen snow. I don't like it. It's cold. But there's nothing like it, right? It's beautiful. Joseph's like that. The only dirt that I think I would accuse him of is poor judgment. I don't think he should be parading around this coat of many colors with his brothers. That was not a good move. So I'll just say maybe stupidity. Other than that, boy, almost every story you hear, he is, he is following God. He's listening to God. The relationship with God is being evident in all that he's doing. It's really a great story. So we're going to spend three weeks on this. I mean, it's amazing. If you look at the book of Genesis, 50 chapters of it, um, one quarter, 25% of the entire book of Genesis, which has a whole bunch of things, is about Joseph. Wow. There's only 10 words to describe, quote, the creation, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 10 words to describe this, the origin of things, but yet God decides that he wants to give us, well, 25% of the book of Genesis to help us learn something important. And I'm going to say it again. It's all about relationships. And I'm saying it's about this. Because then it affects this. So it's this. All right, I'm going to take you back in, uh, in time uh, before we jump into the story of Joseph. And again, I'm just going to cover a little bit of Joseph because then we have two more weeks. You could probably even go longer, but we're not. Uh, but I'm just going to give you a little snippet. Back before, this is when God is speaking to Abram, who became Abraham. Then the Lord said to Abram, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. Ooh, this does not sound like it's going to go well, right? 
But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And boy, I wish I had more time to talk about this Amorite thing. So if you want to come Tuesday to the Big Ten, we go in the back room. Sounds like, well, we're going in the back room, you know. Um, and we'll unpack this a little bit more. So if you'd like to come, I'd love to have you come. 630s. That's a little plug. Uh, but I'd love to give you a little bit more information. But there's going to be this 400-year thing that's going to happen. And God is giving a heads up and saying, So, why do I tell you that? I don't know. I just thought it was good for you to know that this was already prophesied. So what you're going to see happen unfold over the next three weeks, this is something that was told in advance by God to Abram so that God's people would know that this is going to happen. But there's a reason to it. It's all about the relationship, right? So we see this relationship with God woven through so far. Um, again, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the 12 sons, right? And then we get to Joseph. And we see all of this stuff taking place. Now, um, once again, I said something about um, this idea of one-fourth of the book of Genesis is about Joseph. And I, I just, again, I'm intrigued by what is in God's mind and heart. Why would he do all of this? Because, you know, I, I, I like to look behind the story. And I'm just like, God really wants to kind of drill this down for people like you and me so that we don't walk away missing the point. So I encourage you, in your week this week, read Genesis 37 to 50. Maybe read it a couple times. Because there are so many parts to the story that um, really can relate to people like you and me. So just do it. I do believe that this story of Joseph is really a story of providence. Now, remember I talked about sovereign before, that we have a sovereign God who he has a will and his will will be done, right? When we pray, you know, your will on earth as it is in heaven, we pray that and God is so good and faithful, he brings his will to be done. That's just how he is. Well, navigating through that, God in his providential care just keeps blessing. And sometimes we don't see it. We don't understand it, but sometimes we can look back in, in past and go, wow, look at what God did. Like one of the ways I really believe, and I'm so thankful, uh, some, somebody named Kristen Mary, okay? Um, used to be a Hauser, now she's a Thielen. She's my bride of 40 years. I'll never forget the moment I'm sitting, I'm sitting in a Bible class now. Remember, I was a terrible, terrible person, still am, but I was really bad in high school. And then God changed my heart, and I thought, I'm going to do a Bible study for other high schoolers so I can tell them about this Jesus. And we had a whole bunch of people that came because they were still like, Jim Thielen leading a Bible study? This I got to see. So people would come. And I'll never forget leading the class, and we had a really big circle, and this cute little girl walks into the door, walks around the the. Uh, not the bleachers, but the stands where the choir would you know, normally be, and just walking around quietly and coming and sitting down. And I remember going to the person next to me like this. Who's that? 
And then um, Tim Adams was his name, said, that's Hauser's little sister, a classmate of mine's little sister. And I, I'll just tell you, wow. God's providential, he knew I needed somebody like that in my life. Oh my goodness, she is a blessing. Maybe you can sit back and think about where God kind of showed up. Maybe you didn't even see it at the time, but now you look back and say, look at how he provided, how he takes ordinary events. I'll say, ordinary for me was a Bible study I was leading, but he does something really great. And so we're going to see in chapters 37 to 50 some ordinary events like famine. It happens, doesn't it? But God can use it. He can do some incredible things, even through some really bad stuff. God is at work. So um, let me walk you through now a little bit of the story. And I'm going to focus on Reuben a little. Okay, remember the oldest of the 12? Okay. And I'll give you a comment about that in just a minute. Uh, let's go to uh, chapter 37, verse 3. Now Israel, remember Jacob, his name was turned into Israel. So when you see that, it's not the nation of Israel, it's the person. So now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all the bro his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. So it says Israel, Jacob, loved um, of, uh, Joseph more, more than any others. And then it should come in your head, why not Reuben? The culture would say firstborn gets the most attention. I even tell people that in, in the um, birth order, if you've ever read anything, Kevin Lehman get, gets into it, and they talk about how the firstborn is often like dad. Secondborn could often be like mom, and then beyond that, who knows, right? We don't know. But the firstborn, why is that? And I, psychologically, emotionally, it's because us guys, it's a novelty. Like, look at this. It's got little hands, little feet, it's moving around, it does all these kind of things, and we just look at it differently. We love all the other ones just the same, but there's just something that goes on there a little bit more that's different. And then personality and stuff starts kind of being transferred over. I won't get into the whole psychological thing, and you could try it on yourself. It's so true in my household. My firstborn, Rose, oh my goodness, just like me, in a good way. Sometimes. So why not Reuben? So no wonder everybody's a little disturbed. Everyone is struggling with this. And I'm thinking that maybe this is just part of the whole history repeating thing. Remember Jacob? Remember Esau? Remember how it should have worked out and it didn't according to culture and tradition? But yet God was still navigating through all of that to bring about his will. That's that sovereign part of God working in the lives of people. So it's going to be Joseph. Now, now his brothers went to pasture their father's flock near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. 
And he said to him, here I am. So he said to him, go now, see if it is well with your brothers and with the flock, and bring me word. So he sent him with the, uh, from the valley of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. So what's going on here? A little bit of, uh, I don't know if he's going to be a tattletale. You know, sometimes those youngest can, I'm a youngest, so I could say this. Sometimes we're very, like, spoiled, and we think life is all about me. And when it doesn't become about me, we can go back and kind of tell dad or mom about them. And I think this is some of that's going on. And I think dad encouraged it. And so all of a sudden, you can just see how the story is going to go. If, you, if you're part of any family, and if any of this kind of tension, one seems to be favored more than the others, you can picture where it's going to go. And the man said, they have gone away, for I've heard them say, let's go to Dotham. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dotham. They saw him from afar, and before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. It's getting bad. So in the heart and in the mind and in the life, it's starting to get very human. It's being very familiar from all the stories that we've been following from the very beginning of Genesis. It didn't go very far, right? We get from Adam and Eve to Cain and Abel, and we see this, this thing going on called sin. And so now we see it with the brothers of Joseph. They're angry, and now they're ready to conspire. All right, verse 21 when, but when Reuben heard it, he rescued him out of their hands, saying, Let us not take his life. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, throw him into, the, into this pit here in the wilderness, but do not lay a hand on him, that he might rescue him out of their hand to restore him to his father. I really don't want to get into the whole story, but if you read a little bit before some of this, like in chapter, I think, 35, Reuben did the unthinkable. He crossed the line with his dad. So I don't know. Could it be Reuben is really caring for Joseph? It could be, could be, could be compassion. We're going to, I want to believe that. I want to put the best construction on it. But could it be, oh, I need to make up with dad, and this really would do it. We don't know the motivation. I'll just say, I, I read a lot of commentators about this. But if you just look at humanity itself, him wanting to do something for Joseph is remarkable. Uh, again, standing up in front of his other brothers. So now we get to uh, verse 27. Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites because their caravan that's going to the east, going over to Egypt, and they had this brilliant idea. Let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother, our own flesh, and his brothers listen to him. So there was this really great idea. And then verse 29. When Reuben returned to the pit and saw that Joseph was not in the pit, he tore his clothes. So, why? Why do you tear your clothes? Well, for the culture at the time, that is the way to show grief and sorrow over something that has happened to somebody that you care about. 
So we have that going on. And maybe it's, again, the plan didn't work for Reuben, so I'm, it could be that. But it could be this, this how, how are we going to tell Dad? How are we going to talk about this? It's just not going well. I'm going to take us on the path of the word compassion. I am just wondering, maybe, just maybe, Reuben had some kind of compassion for Joseph and some kind of compassion for his dad, Israel. And compassion can be defined as a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune, accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the suffering. Do you see the two elements that are in compassion? You can have just passion or something towards somebody and look and go, oh man, that's really bad. But compassion takes it to the next level. You want to do something about it. And I'm going to point over to the cross. I want you to know that's the ultimate expression of compassion. Okay, that, that, is, that is it. That is the story. That's where we're going to go. That's what I want you to walk away with is that this is the ultimate example of compassion. Let me read it. As a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the suffering. Now that, that could, I don't know if that's Webster's Dictionary where I got it from, but I'm saying look over there and try those words on and they fit. God up in the heavens saw what we're going through. God, from up in the heavens, decided to do something about it to alleviate the suffering, which ultimately would be, if we were to stay in our sin, it would be for eternity, which means that first premise I talked about earlier, the relationship would be over for eternity. So people like you and me, if we did not have Jesus, this relationship with God would be severed and it would be for eternity. There would be no hope. God did not want that. He wanted to do more than just alleviate suffering, which is, you know, what hell would be like. He wanted to give us a joy, a peace, a hope, um, something that the world can't give, and he did it for us. And then what do we do? We say, thank you, that's really good, but then we start living that out as people who have received this from God. So I have a couple scriptures for you. All right, James chapter 2, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So it's, again, compassion. There's something more that happens than just standing back and going, oh man, that's a bummer, look what's going on. It literally means stepping into this. And that's what I believe God calls all of us. You have received from God himself compassion. You have received all that happens through Christ. And then he says, now take that and share it. In the Old Testament, I love this summary. I remember uh, reading this many years ago. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly to love mercy, which is very, very similar to compassion, and to walk humbly with your God. Mercy, not getting what we deserve. 
And Paul says it in Romans, but um, let's kind of take a, like an overview. God takes the ordinary events and arranges them to accomplish his will, to do good in our life, and to further his kingdom. He is always doing that in order to bring us into a relationship with him. And that's why in Romans 7, and I use the New Living Translation because I love the way it says it, Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. And I think Paul, probably more than almost anybody else I've ever read, gets the tension between I am a sinner, but I have a Savior. I deserve to be separated from God forever. I deserve not to have a relationship with God. That's what I deserve. But God says, I love you. And I'm going to pull out all stops so that my relationship with you will be eternal. Starting on this earth, I always tell people, we are heavenly citizens, not just when we die and go to heaven, but we are kingdom citizens right here, right now. We are part of God's family. The relationship is intact, all because of what Jesus did for you and me. And we get to live that out. And we get to keep living that out, just like Joseph, and we're going to follow him in the next two, week, two weeks. Not always easy, sometimes a struggle, but always God is faithful. Amen. I invite you to stand. I'd like to share with you the blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.
Taking it step by 